When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dave Ninimitz. It's Dave Ninimitz. All right, welcome into the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Rowan Paul Energy, Dave Ninimitz of The Athletic. Happy New Year. Excited to be with you on January 2nd, 2024. We made it to the future, Dave. Congratulations. How does it feel? Kind of the same. <laughs> still, still a lot of pessimism, it. you know? Yeah. Still, yeah. still a lot of general malaise and a concern about what's next. It really, sure. even though we made it alive, which some people doubted that we would find this point in time, That's still true. feels like the end is near, doesn't it? Always. It's like <laughs> perpetual. You could just change the date, but still feels like the end is near. But hey, we don't have to write checks very often anymore, so we don't have to really worry about making everything 24. So yeah. that, if you're looking for a bright spot, there, there's that. Yes. There's online. Yeah. I, I love that. I mean, not having to walk into a bank. Yeah. See, the future's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we envisioned. This flying is what we cars think. and not having to go to the bank. Yeah. We don't have the flying cars quite yet. But... We're getting there. We're, yeah. we're getting there. Um. We also don't have to go to the New York Times playoff calculator too often now it's in the future. It turns true. out. Uh, so the, I'll spoiler alert. It's zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we don't have to worry about going into playoff probabilities. But there's still, as you know, if you're listening to this, a lot to do what, Dave? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're going to unpack, aren't we? <laughs> I, I wasn't sure if that was the answer. I just I froze there. Sorry. <laughs> Understandable. We're gonna unpack it. We're gonna. Yeah. We're still a lot to go through. And in fact, it's such a big box to unpack. Like it's it's wrapped in like a bunch of that like that that shipping tape, but like at all <laughs> angles, you know. Yeah. And yeah. and then it's a box inside of a box. Like you get through the first one, you're like ah, oh, another box. I can't believe this. <laughs> like and then there's. Packing peanuts all over the mm. place that are gonna get it's it's gonna be messy and it's gonna take yeah. a while is my point. So that <laughs> just know that just because we don't get to it today, there's a lot of time over the course of the next month plus, and then really the entire offseason that we're gonna be spending digging through everything that kind of happened this year, what they're learning for it, and where they go next. That's so we're 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 one step at a time. Still some reaction to do a little bit to what happened in Kansas City, some of the elements of that game um, from calls, plays, um, and Trey Hendrickson, things like mm-hmm. that. Uh, Moeger will join, uh, of course, and we're going to talk a little bit about – we'll start with a take main takeaway of the season with him. Uh, the Bengals' growler bet is off the, off the hook, off the chain. 
<laughs> anything, any reference from the nineties. It's it, you, you guys. I just, I never thought we'd end up in this place, but this is the future. This is what the future is. That's all I'll say <laughs> about what's happening to the future of the growler bet. Uh, and some, some Arby's thoughts. So all, all of that is coming your way. I, I want to, one thing I want to do to start here is I, I just, it, it kind of a was just a thought for me in that this was sort of dubbed the year of the backup quarterback. And um, if you take a look at the standings, it's the year that there were a lot of backup quarterbacks and not the year <laughs> that the backup quarterbacks succeeded. Yeah. Um, yeah. This kind of goes back to what we said when Jake Browning first took over. And I think the the Browning ride was fun. And and he turned out to be a very stable, capable backup. But this is what this is the backup life, right? Up, down, up, down. Like yeah. a couple couple of good weeks where the league doesn't know what they're getting totally from you and your game plan, and then they've seen it, and then it's a lot harder. And mm-hmm. and the ceiling is clearer on these guys. And Browning was part of this. But look around, look at your division winners, leaders. Everyone's going to point to Cleveland. Yeah, okay. Some they have the great this incredible defense, and somehow Joe Flacco's been able to do it. Congratulations to them. Happy one off. Okay, because yeah. the rest of it is who had Lamar Jackson. There's there's your number one seed. Tua played all year. They're currently the number two. Patrick Mahomes played all year. Currently number three. Trevor Lawrence has played all year. Um, until just recently, and part of why they're in a battle with Houston, who had C.J. Stroud playing all year until they <laughs> lost a couple of games, which pushed yeah. them down a little bit. Uh, Josh Allen played all year there in the playoff picture. There it is. you know. And then, then go down the rest of the AFC. Uh, Pittsburgh's on, you know, they're, they're doing their Tomlin thing, but you know what, that's the same. They look the same every year, back up or not. Uh, I guess I guess Denver's technically had Russell Wilson all year. That's been to their detriment, I guess. <laughs> That's harsh. Vegas, Jets, Tennessee, Chargers, New England. Notice any common thread between all of those teams this year? All backup quarterbacks. Yeah. Uh, the Bengals in that mix as well. It Sometimes it is that simple, Dave. Yeah, and we talked about it back when we were dealing with the Jake Browning versus Trevor Simeon situation is ideally you want the backup to be able to just be kind of a band-aid till you get your guy back if you're not going to get your guy back you're kind of screwed and even in the even in the Flacco case you're talking about a former Super Bowl MVP who has just somehow found some magic so like that's more of an indictment on teams for not having Joe Flacco already on their roster yeah um but yeah it's Thinking you're gonna go on some long run with your backup is pretty unrealistic. It's it's honestly a. I think the takeaway should be that people should be drafting more quarterbacks higher, mm-hmm. no matter who you have. Um, yeah. You should constantly be in a state of trying to feed that position, Jordan Loving, you know, type deal. Like, don't be afraid to go into three years early and just have someone back there. It's not a terrible investment. But how much of that is this whole ego of the starting quarterback situation? Do you think? Like, yeah, well, Jordan Love getting Aaron dra- Rodgers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, when Aaron Rodgers got drafted, Brett Favre didn't like it. When Jordan Love got drafted, Aaron Rodgers didn't like it. So 
there's a lot, always a lot of tiptoeing around your star quarterback or your starting quarterback. Um, do you think that changes? Do you think starting quarterbacks start understanding that a little bit more? I think it depends on that quarterback's contract. Yeah. I mean, how much is guaranteed where it don't matter? Like if True. they're invested in you, they have spoken with their pocketbooks. Okay. Yeah. And if they're not invested, if, if there's some un, unsure nature to your contract or outs or whatever, or I guess teams are just now willing to swallow all the monies, which we've seen more lately. Mm-hmm. I, I think you can worry about that, or you can just point to what's happened. Yeah. Like, look more and more times we love you. You're our guy. Okay. We paid you or whatever. You're going to start like you're the starter. This is not a competition. The bottom line is we just see so many people going down. We always want to make sure we have something better in the pipeline. This isn't mean go use your first round picks, but I think you start at round two. Yeah. You know, you start at round two and say it's something you should consider. And it's it's like having a really good insurance policy. Nobody cares. Like, man, why are we wasting all this money on insurance? We don't use it. It's just a, well, it's a it's a pit, and then all of a sudden you need it, and you're happy that you spent the money on it. And if that guy shows anything, you've now got a nice piece for trading with other teams that Garoppolo, are for quarterback, right? Yeah. Garoppolo. Yeah. You saw what New England did when they had Brady, and 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 Brady didn't like that. And it's part of the reason probably he went to Tampa Bay. So maybe you were blowing yeah. up the whole argument there. <laughs> but I'm just <laughs> I'm just saying that I, I do think that teams have to consider that and, and consider guys that really can come in and win and win games for you. Uh, I, Joe Flacco was terrible since he mm-hmm. left Baltimore. So let's not act yeah. like, and no one picked him up for a reason because of that. And the fact that is, is to me, it's more uh, on the Browns whole team and Stefanski than it is. I mean, Flacco deserves some credit yeah. or whatever, but I mean, I, I, well, I, I think Flacco's playing with nothing to lose. I mean, that's a guy that's come in and I think Stefanski has said, Basically, we're going to play to your strength and we're going to let you not sweat it because we have a defense that can pick up your slack. So do do your thing. The, yeah. the thing that kills me is when I'm I'm often editing the uh, the Russell Wilson related quarterback stories in Denver. And when I see the fans out there mentioning Flacco, I'm like, you know, Flacco was on your team at one point, right? Yeah, <laughs> you had Flacco and it didn't work out. So. No. It is kind of funny how you know the grass is greener when he's on the other team winning. But no, I, I agree with you. That's it's not like Joe Flacco is the same Joe Flacco, but he's also not just some dude. I mean, he he did win a Super Bowl, yep. so there's some pedigree there. Yeah. Um, same conversation in the NFC, by the way. Everybody currently in the playoff picture has had their starting quarterback uh all year. San Francisco, Dallas, Detroit, Tampa Bay, who's gotten just by Baker Mayfield playing has turned him into a, a top quarterback because compared to everybody else on the backups mm-hmm. that are in there, he's much better yeah. than them. Uh yeah. you know, Philadelphia, the Rams, stat you know, the Rams. Oh, the Rams have come on. Well, Stafford's really good. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he stayed healthy this year with McVeigh. Like that you you combine that and and you, you can come on. Green Bay seen seen Jordan Love come on. And then you go further down Minnesota, right? Chicago was missing Justin Fields for a bunch of time, and they lost a bunch of games. Atlanta never really had one. The Giants, eh, whatever. Washington never really had one. Arizona missed Kyler Murray the first six weeks, and Carolina's trying to figure out what the hell Bryce Young is. It always comes back to this. It always comes back to this, and I think as we get into that, um, it's it's important to remember um, because 
so much the conversation will come back to that. And we'll probably come back to that with Mo when we get into it a little bit. Um, on the news tip here, um, there's going to be conversation this week. Okay, well, how, how are the Bengals going to handle this week? And we talked to Zach Taylor on Monday, and his point was, I'm playing to win this game. Winning this game matters. We try to win every game. We're doing everything in our power to win, whatever that means. Um, so if you think this is going to turn into the Bengals playing their backups or whatever, that's not necessarily going to be the case. Now, I, I it, it was sort of left open if some guys need to be if they're just banged up and them playing is not good for them, um, that's a different story. And I think I think that's where you'll probably see. I mean, to me, we'll see with T. Higgins, but I can't imagine T. Higgins and Jamar Chase out there yeah. playing. Uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, and it's a chance for you to get a full game with Yoshivash and you know whoever Charlie Jones. Go see some of those guys play a little bit more. Yes, they're playing to win the game, but you also you do now go on the side of caution. Although Sam Hubbard said, "I'm not leaving my guys out there." He says he's having surgery after the season, and but he's playing. I'm not leaving my guys out there, and I think there is going to be some of that attitude too. But I'll be curious how much of that happens. But they're not out there just playing kids for the sake of playing rookies. They've been playing those guys in roles. Um, I like to see more of miles murphy i'd like to yeah. see more of you know maybe give dj turner another game I, I but you know who knows exactly how that will play out i mean it sounds good to say we're gonna go out there full blast it's just you gotta be smart with this i mean just imagine if one of your one of your big guns blows in the in this game and i know that's you don't want to go around being hypothetical about horrible things like that. But man, if you have Jamar Chase do something horrible out there, everybody, you know, that that just screws up next season already. Yeah. If he's if he's rehabbing through most of next season. So I, um, I respect I, I respect that you play to win the games. I mean, yeah. I, I respect that the game's being played. You're out there to win it. You know, there you don't you're not losing anything per se by playing your guys. But if you have if you have guys that are already hurting I know everybody mm. kind of is but really are they they probably do need to sit um but you're right I mean it's there there's a there's a plus and a minus there um uh, but we'll we'll see how those rotations play. but but the thing is for every guy you know for every guy that you say we you want to see something for the future there's plenty of players who feel like they want the opportunity now and yeah. A guy, perfect example, who we talked about a lot last week. I wrote about last week, Chita Bay This is an opportunity for yeah. him. He need, he wants these games to continue to show how he looks when fully healthy and how he plays. And so, talk about DJ Turner potentially playing. Well, they they moved fully to Cheeto, which I which I expected they would last week. Um, and and Turner just moved into a dime package backup role. It was Cam Taylor Britt and Chita Bay both played one hundred percent of the snaps. Because that was their best chance to win, and that will be their best chance to win again. And both those guys deserve the opportunity to go out there yeah. and play full games if if they're healthy, which they are. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, it's, you go case by case basis, but mm. you really just got to be smart with it. And you, you're seeing it across the league. I think also everybody doesn't want to show their hand and just come right out and say we're playing a bunch of backups. But 
when there's just really nothing on the line except probably what a marginal change in draft pick spot. I mean, everybody's kind of in that weird 500 range. I'm not even sure. I haven't looked yet to see where they'd fall right now, but um, it's not like you're even really at like, let's a tank and get a top five pick. You're just going to move marginally one way or the other, but it just, yeah, I think you're right. I think Awuzie is a great example where he needs, he wants more on film right now. So people can see that he's back and, as he goes into free agency, you know, that's a guy you'd want to go sign, but I'd be, I'd, I'd tread cautiously personally, if I was Zach Taylor. Bengals currently at 16th, right in the middle there at at eight and eight and would, you know, with a loss probably end up in that 12, 13 area uh, would, would be, but so yeah, marginal, like there's not, Year to year, there's not a huge difference in those picks, success rates, and things like that. When you get to 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, you you obviously find specific examples, but you can it's we're not talking one versus four. Okay. Yeah. Like there's and you need a quarterback. So it's it's a little different. Um, but look for them to go out there and and play most guys and, and play to win. Um one thing I want to bring up it, from this pat couple of things more more things from this past weekend. There's been a lot more talk about that fourth down decision, the fourth and one, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and whether they should go for it or not. I listen, you know, I I I always listen to uh, Dan and Dave on Bengals booth uh, after games to to hear sort of their perspective from calling the game radio side angle because I don't I don't not listening to them or hearing them and and Lap was talking about look I'm. He's team take the points. He's, you know, it's not always the numbers aren't out there in the emotions of these guys. And that you may look at the analytics and the analytics tell you, here's your percentages. But for him, there's a demor- such a demoralization as a player from getting nothing out of yeah. a drive when you do a lot of work that that plays a bigger role than is covered in the numbers now. About those numbers, I I had to reach out actually to to Ben Baldwin, our guy who created Fourth Down Decision Bot and does all analytics, working with us. And he pointed out because I didn't see it didn't come out on the Fourth Down Decision Bot. He said, "Well, he had he had to actually pair those back a little bit um, in terms of percentages and things because of Twitter rate limits or whatever." He said, "But there is actually a link, and I'll 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 send this out to look at any decision you want to." The bot had that at a two percent win probability for going, um, so not like overwhelming, but a clear go in that situation yeah. from from the numbers standpoint. But that's also taking into account that you know you would convert that at a sixty two percent rate about the league average. Um, problem there for the Bengals is they don't convert that at a league average of 62%. In fact, if it feels like they've been in this spot all year and it hasn't gone well, guess what? They've been in this spot all year and it hasn't <laughs> gone well. They actually have been I if you know, you know I love filtering down some segments here, Dave. Third and fourth down and one this year in the red zone. They are tied for the third most plays. Uh, they've had 13 of them. They are 31st in success percentage. Oof. 46%. Only they would be 32nd, except the Titans only did it once and are 0 for 1. Okay. <laughs> Thank so, you, Titans. I don't even understand that. But the Bengals have been aggressive. They've 
You know, they've they are doing this a lot. They're going for it a lot. They've been in that spot a ton. And like we've said, with a team that's needed to get a yard, they far too often have not been able to get a yard. And so them being at 46% kind of throws off that math a little bit when you think of the history there. Um, Now, interesting, as we continue to go down the wormhole of this decision, and again, this is a decision they have to make within seconds, okay? Andy Reid on the next drive gives up five and a half percent win probability to kick the field goal on fourth. Mm-hmm. And I think it was four from the 10, making yeah. it 17, 16, you know, the numbers with an overwhelming, you screwed that up, Andy, but that I think shows his view of how that game was going. Yeah. That their defense had things fully in control. Or although should he have thought that at that point, the Bengals said that was right when the Bengals finally stopped driving on them because they they had kind of gone down most of the first half and they did there in the second half. But that said, you could look at that as an error on his part, but he felt that it was a game where you keep kind of chunking away at the points. I I still think that it was the right decision to go for it because I think you got to look at it through the lens. If you get that thing to 24-13 and it just feels over, um, when you know how Kansas City has played all year mm-hmm. and the Bengals' ability to finish games, um, they've been really good at closing those out, the Trey Hendrickson effect, things we talked about earlier in this year. It feels like it would really have played overwhelmingly to their strengths, and and it's just one yard, right? Um yeah. And at a certain point, that's what it is. That's that's. I asked more about that with Zach Taylor yesterday, and it kind of comes back to, you know, you you do you you talk through it through the week, what you're going to do in certain situations, what you like there. At the end of the day, it's football, man. Like that's what happens when they say game of inches, games of yards. I mean, that's what it is. Can you get one? Can you not? And sometimes you got to bet on your guys. Uh, they just didn't get it. Now we don't talk about the one. We don't talk about plays like Minnesota and Indianapolis that turned the game. Fourth and one. Mixon gets hit short, finds a way, and and it turns the game and it gets them a touchdown or got them a first down. Turn those games against Pittsburgh on fourth and one. They try to throw it, don't get it. So they try to go back to Mixon, don't get it, and you guys screwed it up, right? Yeah. You you win, you lose, you just – that's what it is. That's what it is. I mean, when you look at the percentage that the team has, do you – do you attribute that more to the play caller or do you attribute it to the personnel or are they just not built for that? Like where, where is the problem there? Because I think that's what's get, what gets lost is there are people that swear by the percentages and I get that, but the Andy Reed example is a good example where he had kind of a feel for the game, what his team was doing, what the Bengals were doing. He made a decision based on that. And in the end, you know, Butker gets six field goals and was a big reason why they won. Um, but do you feel like the Bengals having being 31st in the league in these short yarded situations, is that as you're watching it, do you feel like that's more a scheme and play calling thing? Or do you feel like they just don't have the right guys to go get that yard? It's, I mean, to me, that's, that's Jimmy's and Joe's man. I mean, when you're down there and it's you versus the guy in front of you for a yard, you can only scheme up. We need a yard so many ways. Okay. Like, Everybody yeah. knows this is about who can move the other person. Like, there's just, do you want more trick plays down there? Like, you want Tanner Hudson trying to throw <laughs> <No>. or Tyler? <laughs> like, 
you can you can run the occasional you know fake or some kind of a sweep out so we running outside we need a yard we know how that typically goes not super and you know what flip it to the other side because Andy Reid did yeah. go for it on fourth down and had Patrick Mahomes faking yeah. it and trying to run outside, and Jermaine Pratt can't make the play. Yeah. So it's making the play. It's Jimmy's and Joe's, right? Like, I, I just think when you get into those situations, that's it's about it's about people and making a play. There's just only so much scheming that you can try to do there. And so for, yeah. for me, that's that's kind of where where I land on it, but again, that's just the way the season has gone. You know, it's just you yeah. just have had where too many times where it was like gotta go make a play, couldn't go make a play. And how many times though would it have been? Would we talk about that like we talked about when Burrow made his first healthy play in Arizona and he made the guy miss yeah. and then holds it and holds it and finds Jamar chase or on the back line or the other side. I mean, it was like that that's the difference, right? So, so many often, oftentimes Zach Taylor says, learned his lesson against San Francisco, not taking the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands in big, big situations anymore. It's why they are what the most pass heavy team in the league. And especially right. on critical downs. And when you don't have him, you start relying on people who are inherently unreliable. <laughs> and, the story of my life. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> look at us, Dave. Yeah. Look at us. Here we are, relying on two inherently unreliable people. That's us. Uh, and 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 sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Uh, all right. On that note, I don't think Mo Egger is inherently unreliable. He shows. I would up- say he's he's inherently reliable. <laughs> no, no question. No question. Oh, we What's know up? that's not true. How are we doing? Doing great. Happy New Year to you. Likewise, likewise. This 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 feels weird. It does. Uh, it, it this yeah. Getting ready. <clears throat> we should be used to this. At least I should be used to this. But like the season feels like it's over. There's one more game, and so now we're in this weird space where you can't eulogize the team in the season because they do have one more game, and just you know the the last two years like. They're going to be done by week 18. What are we doing? This feels bizarre. It, we're, we're talking about the end, and it, it's come far sooner than I think any of us ever would have imagined. Yeah, it's sort of – it's going to end three times, right? That the It ended in Baltimore, and yeah. then it ended in Kansas City, and then it's going to end next week too. So we got to right. – I get to write three obits this year. <laughs> Fun. Remember the year I wrote an obit and the guy didn't die? I do remember that very well. Yes. <laughs> when I wrote Marvin Lewis, uh, the story yeah. of his tenure in Cincinnati, and then they just brought him back. But you know what? It was it was weird. Like <laughs> it, watching the game on TV with a bunch of people, they show the graphic in the fourth quarter. Bengals eliminated with loss. Like nobody believed that. Like there, yeah. there must be some mistake. What yeah. are we talking about here? Let's go to the New York Times playoff predictor. And then, you know, I had to be the guy going, well, actually, yeah, guys. Yeah. That's the it. way everything's unfolded. Sorry. It, it was. Uh, unfortunate and it feels weird to be doing this looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
well, we're going to do it though. Mm -hmm. And you immediately go into, okay, what happened here? What's the lesson here? And when we remove recency, when we remove expectations, um, for you, the first thing that comes to your head as the overriding takeaway of the 2023 Bengals season is what? Well, there's a bunch there. I, I think I'm going to give you two, so I'm sort of okay. cheating. It's okay. But, but the first one is that I don't know that a Bengals season has ended, and I know there's one more game, where I have spent more time wondering about so many different what-ifs. In in sports and life, there's what ifs, right? There's what ifs last year in the AFC championship game. There's what ifs in the Super Bowl two years ago. But I think as as a season as a whole, I don't know that I have spent more time as it's unfolding wondering what if. Joe's calf. What if he doesn't get hurt on the second day of training camp? What if they handle the first part of the season differently? What if he doesn't get hurt against Baltimore? What if they approach the draft differently and Sam Laporte is a Bengal and not Miles Murphy? What if they figure out a way to keep Von Bell and not Jermaine Pratt, who I think sort of underperformed this year? What if they're a little bit more aggressive at running back? What if Chase Brown plays earlier in the season and has a larger role? I, I just, I, I spent a lot of time uh, over the last couple of weeks, really since the the second Pittsburgh game, just going through a lot of different what ifs in my head uh, and and not arriving at any one specific conclusion that if if this goes differently, they're a division champion or if this goes differently, we're talking about a one seed. But th there were just so many different things that I look back on from the end of last year to the end of this year. And I go, OK, if that happens differently, how does this season unfold? Can I can I piggyback off that before you go to number two? Sure. I think the you know the one A to that is an appreciation for the last two years mm -hmm. where every decision hit yeah. free agency, they had an unbelievable hit rate. The draft, they have this unbelievable hit rate where guys are making plays for them. Coaching, like they were Luana Rumo becomes a star and and you know Dan Pitcher because all these things like they're, they're motivate every motivational tactic button that they hit plays. They live off disrespect. They just lean into it. Every single move that you make hits. And now is that because it seems like moves hit when Joe Burrow's the quarterback for every game? Mm -hmm. I think some of that for sure. Mm -hmm. I think it exposes your other decisions. It shows what you couldn't cover up, but the, I mean, I also think that it's so hard to have off seasons and in season things where all the other stuff, all the like hard decisions, seems like every one of them goes your way. And that was kind of the magic of the 2021 mm -hmm. and 2022 season for me for this team was that it just seemed like all the decisions were going their way, and that just it just doesn't happen like that for anyone in this league. And and I think there should be there's partially an appreciation for that and a reminder of how damn hard it is uh, to get to the places that they went to two years. ago. And, and I also feel like because of of how they hit on everything 
we use the terms plug and play a little bit too often. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Irv Smith, ah, just plug and play him. Yep. Irv Smith was not good. Um, now, you know, some things happen with tight end. Tanner Hudson looks like he can play in this league. and But, uh, you know, okay, uh, maybe the tight ends they had the previous two seasons were 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 good and, and weren't just a function of having Joe throw them the football and operate in this offense. Certainly the conditions and the environment that those two players were in helped them uh, be productive and help them get paid. But I think we need to get rid of plug and play. Safety was the same thing, right? Um, does anybody even talk about Nick Scott anymore? But all summer long, we convinced ourselves, oh, you know what? It's loose system. You just take out a Von Bell, you plug in Nick Scott. Well, <clears throat> you know, this defense was uh, a, a bit of a disaster. Even, you know, we talked about the, the defensive line. Uh, well, behind DJ Reader, they got some guys they can plug and play. Eh, this team stunk against the run this season. So, yeah, I, I think an appreciation for what they did. But, but also, just because they hit on so many of these other things doesn't mean they have this infallible system that pretty much anybody can fill these roles that were filled by guys uh, who were awfully important. I think the other takeaway for me, though, is all 17 games count. And, you know, look, obviously the story of the season was Joe Burrow was was rarely completely healthy, starting at the beginning of the year and then obviously with the way the season ended and he wasn't available. At the same time, boy, if 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 the, the beginning of the season turns out a little bit differently, uh, they're not facing an eight-point deficit on the road in Kansas City, fighting and scratching and clawing just to stay alive. And... I, I think obviously you you hope that Joe can go through a normal training camp, a normal preseason. You and I have talked about this a bunch. They're going to have to figure out a way to balance protecting everybody's health with starting faster, because this idea that well, there's time, they're zero and two, but there's plenty of time. Yeah, it is a long season, and and you can do it. But if if the script is going to be start zero and two and one and three every single year, two and three as it was last year, and and rebound in a division that is probably going to be very, very tough again next season. It's it's just not going to work. And 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 the Bills come due late in the season, man. I, you know, I'm going to say the same things off in this offseason that I did last year. The idea should be get to, to get the one seed. If you, you want to take the clearest path to the Super Bowl, get the one seed. You can't get the one seed if you're starting 0-2 and 1-3. And, and, and you don't want to have to put yourself in a position where you have to win these games weeks 17 and 18 just to, to make the postseason, and you have a better chance of doing that if, if you if you stink at the beginning of the year and you could say, well, look, next season, early in the year, we don't want Joe Burrow to be dealing with a calf issue. That's fine. But they were wholly unprepared to play a Cleveland week one. Um, and, you know, we, we saw at the end of the season, they can still function without Joe Burrow. So they're just and there is how they played at the beginning of the season last year. And yes, Joe had an appendectomy and you hope those things aren't true. But you just at some point you. I want to see I want to see how the season would unfold if they actually started fast and like start by winning all your games in September and play from ahead and not have to spend the second quarter of the season scratching and clawing just to get back to 500 and then hope you take off from there. Um, All 17 games count, man. And so as things unfolded and they faced all these must win games, I wondered how was this play out if they start one and one instead of 0 and two, or they start three and one instead of one and three. We're never going to know, but at some point I'd like to see how the Cincinnati Bengals with this regime and with a good roster can do if they start fast and play from ahead. Yes, absolutely. Um, 
the thing for that to me is I think so often early in the year, your defense needs to carry you. You know, your offense is built on timing. And and when you look back at the last couple of years, when they've dealt with a quarterback who's had issues, appendectomy, calf, whatever. And that that to me is where your defense in one. <laughs> that's why to me, the takeaway of the year is that the year I really started to worry about this defense, because mm-hmm. this was the year they were built to attack week one and be a potentially dominant defense they had paid a bunch of guys they had invested draft picks they had depth they seemed like they had everything in play their coordinator back for an unbelievable a fifth year and he was Mm -hmm. a head coach candidate and everything was built to have a great defense and they made decisions knowing the 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 ramifications you know and i've i've joked that lou anarumo told us back in february this was going to happen when he said it would be a dark day um when if Jesse Bates and Von Bell were both gone, hmm. where he predicted this, that said, I mean, he still went the Nick Scott direction. He still was in charge of making those decisions, whether some of them were half made for him or not. He was in charge of getting it right and hmm. and going young and all these other and making the bets that they had to make. And it still was a defense that he seemed to believe in and they had reason to believe in and the fact that they are so bad this year and early in the year gave up even more explosive plays than they are now somehow and couldn't make any tackles and things like that with a group that's that had been built for that long um is a part of why you start slow is and everybody deserves a hand in that but it's the the best way i think to try to win games early in the year is to try to have a really good defense and Mm -hmm. this is the year that i come away and say man, they had everything in place to build a really good defense and invested in it with picks and everybody else, and it was awful. Yeah. Or why, why should you then believe that it's going to get better? Even though the young players should get better. This, I keep hearing about how this is going to make them better in the future, all the mistakes they made now, and and, and sort of like Kansas City did, and I'll, I'll, I'll listen to that. Like, I'm here yeah. for it. I'm sure. listening to that. Sure. But I don't know how you don't have pretty serious doubts that maybe they're just not very good players and mm-hmm. that maybe too many guys are getting old and maybe they have too many holes because this was a team that should have been built for it. And the fact that it was this bad has to make you wonder just how built any of it is for it. Yeah. And they, I mean, they, they've got some guys who are old, but they've also got some guys who are like in the smack of their prime. Yeah. Their, their linebacker play this year, we all like Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt. Their linebacker play fell off a cliff this season. Um, the pass rush, is is Joseph Osai ever going to be a consistently productive, reliable member of this football team? Um, I love Sam Hubbard. We all do. There, there are just stretches where it feels like, Sam, can, can Sam, come on, let's, let's, Let's make a play. And by the way, when he was absent, the run defense fell even further off a cliff. And so you certainly have to uh, account for that. But it just it felt like often this year, if they block Trey Hendrickson up front, nothing's really going to happen. Unfortunately, Chidobe Awuzie got old in a hurry. And, you know, you just how much of that is a direct reflection of of him suffering a a catastrophic injury last year? I I don't know. But there were still enough early picks and enough players in their prime for this defense, I think, to be better than it was. And then it's not so much a takeaway. 
But I'll throw this out there, too, just in terms of how we talk about this team, because I was thinking about this in the aftermath, listening to Jamar Chase. I loved I love Jamar. If you're a Bengals fan, you love Jamar Chase. You love him for all the obvious reasons. He's an awesome player and he'll be deserving of whatever contract the Bengals hopefully give him this offseason. And I, I love the fact that he he answers questions. Honestly, he didn't come out, I think, in a very boastful way. And I don't think he waved you guys over in an effort to call out the Kansas City Chiefs secondary, but he, he did it. He answered questions honestly. Um, it, it frustrated me that after they called out the Kansas City secondary, they didn't really challenge them, but, but okay. But then after the game, he's still talking. And around the country, I think people just sort of like, all right, pal, your team's not even in the playoffs. Shut up. At four, 41 yards. Kind of roll their eyes. And so I wonder, maybe not so much here, but maybe here, at what point does this era, this version of the Cincinnati Bengals become defined by a lot of attention, a lot of good stuff, won a lot of games, a lot of really good players, fair amount of bluster, no rings. Hmm. It, it, it is, are we there? Yeah. If we're sitting here a year from now wondering again, why didn't they win? Does it, does it happen then? I mean, it, 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 it does it does happen at some point where, you know, I, I think maybe they're dealing with this in Buffalo. Um, I certainly feel like if if the Ravens lose early in the postseason, which after watching them the other day seems inconceivable, but you know, does it sort of happen there? But at least you've you've got a coach who's won one before. I, I, I narratives change quickly in this sport, uh, and, and in all the sports. I, I just I wonder for how many more years are they going to have really good players, high-end talent, be on national TV a bunch, have a star quarterback without winning where they still get talked about in the same terms they've been talked about? Or is it going to start to change, especially with the continued bluster, if you want to use that word, that's that's coming from that locker room? I think it's a fair question. It, it, you, you can only go so many years without winning before uh, it, it – it doesn't start to become what defines you as a franchise, your inability to win the big one, which the Bengals thus far have not and will not this year. The question is, you mentioned era, this era. I would contend that era is over in yeah. a lot of ways. Joe Burrow is the era. It's mm-hmm. the Burrow Chase era because let's do this. I'll pull this up. You know, a really when people think we'll think about this, how about 2021 week 17, they beat the Chiefs, right? Mm-hmm. 34th, a, a kind of a defining game of this group. I mean, if, if mm-hmm. we're looking back now. Yeah. How many of the guys that started this day will be on this team on opening day next year? Mm-hmm. This doesn't feel like well, we're talking about it like it just, you know, we people think about this like it just happened still. Yeah. Uh, you had Jamar Chase. He'll be here. Jonah Williams. Mm. Quentin Spain, Trey Hopkins, Akeem Adenji, Isaiah Prince, potentially 0 for 5. That's probably for the best. <laughs> yes. <laughs> DJ Uzama, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon. We're down to Burrow and Chase. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Defense. Hubbard should be here. Reader, Ogan Joby, Hendrickson. So you'll keep them. Logan Wilson. Uh, let's see. Pratt must have been out that game. Hilton, I guess he'll be here. Apple, Awuzie, Bell, Bates. The era's over. 
Yeah. Okay. Like it changes. You have to change. You have to evolve. Those, the next generation has to live up to what preceded them. And they didn't this year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the idea of it goes back to, you know, it goes back to Charlie Goldsmith was on this show a couple weeks ago, talked about the ship of Theseus, right? Yeah. About where if you replace, if over mm-hmm. the course of time you take every piece and take it out, is it still the same ship? Okay. Mm-hmm. It's always, it's look, Burrow and Chase are going to be a, an era. Yeah. Everything around it is going to de- decide how it's viewed because it's it's more than just them, even though they'll be the highest paid. Mm-hmm. And and so I think the era ends and I think it's best for everyone to view it that way. Yes. Is that sure. that like this team moving forward and eventually hitting its goals is definitely not going to be about hanging on to this group. It's got to be about what's the best way to find play and, and hit again. Have another off season like you had in the twenty leading up to twenty twenty one, where you hit on picks and you hit in free agency, and 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 not think about hanging on. And mm-hmm. they've been pretty good at viewing it that way, I think. But mm-hmm. I think hanging on to that era and, and viewing it that way is is a problem because they're gone. Like it's yeah. Burrow and Chase and not a whole lot else. Yeah, which. Which is scary me- for the culture because the, mm-hmm. co- the culture and the core leadership was such a big part of that. And the captains in, on that group, mm-hmm. bye-bye. Yeah. Uh, which, as you say all that, brings me back to Los Angeles fourth quarter. Oh. You know, it just – but Yeah. Yeah. But, but, how, do you, but yeah. how do you not, right? Because yep. I think we would all say if, if, if Sunday was the end of an era – what a fun and successful era, right? They mm-hmm. made the Super Bowl. They played in consecutive AFC championship games. They were relevant. I mean, uh, they 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 moved into a, a position where they're a part of what I think is the NFL's best organic rivalry, which the, the latest chapter played out on Sunday in an extraordinarily memorable and, and painful game. But the defining day of that era was that Sunday in Los Angeles when they came this close. And and you and I have talked about it a bunch and I've thought about it a bunch. Like you just, you never know, man, you, you, you know, so the subsequent failures, I think are viewed so much differently if they just finished the deal that day. That yeah. doesn't mean that that season or that day was a disaster or a failure because nobody would say that. But I walked out of that stadium going, boy, it feels like they're going to be back, but we don't know. And yeah. here we are two years later, we're talking about the end of an era that started with that team and they didn't win one. That doesn't mean it's a failure. It, it, anything but. Anything but. Um, one might argue the most successful three-year stretch in the history of the franchise. And I would include this year in that. Yeah. Uh, a year that it had some successes. But y- y- as, as you talk about the, the winding down of an era, okay, the signature day, when they have never been more in, in the limelight, they fell this short. And that's that was tough to swallow that day. It's it's even to a degree tougher to swallow now. I, I know things are different now. Um but but I think I've thought about this a lot like over the course of you know this season, in that a, a lot of I hate even using this word, but great runs dynasties are already used about them, but great runs by teams. And and this team didn't win the Super Bowl in them, but 
you know, where you're in the Super Bowl and the championship back to get back years, yes. obviously. And, and I think I feel I look back on them and think about how there was always one dud year in them. You know, mm-hmm. like San Francisco had a run and then they had a they had a dud year. Dallas, right? No. It, it, of the mid nineties had had one year where it didn't happen in the middle. Uh even Patriots New England, so too. Patriots yeah, didn't even make pa- the playoffs. Patriots had they won three of four, but they had a dud mm-hmm. year in the middle. I it felt like there was always gonna be one, even though they had mm-hmm. such so many good parts of this group. I think this has turned out to be it. So I think about that when I think about and then that doesn't mean the next year isn't gonna get them right back on track. Um and I know it feels different now because you've seen Brady make it to the championship game a million years in a row and, and mm-hmm. Mahomes do what he did where they win the AFC West every year and they're hosting AFC championship games every year. I, I get that. But here's the thing with the Chiefs. This is the dud year. Yeah, this is the dud year. <laughs> and they're, the they're going to win it again. <laughs> and, and they're still going to probably – who knows? Right. They're not, they could go on a run. Like, Is anybody going to say that Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid might not just catch a heater? Right. This like, is this is with and, a good and, defense. And by the way, the Bengals' dud year could conceivably still end with a winning record in the best division that maybe the the league has seen since realignment. Yeah. If this is as bad as it gets, if if five years from now we go, this is the worst year of the the Burrow you know run. If this is the worst year of the decade, well, that's really damn good. And there's a very good chance that that's the case. That this is as bad as it gets. Yeah. And. In a year where they went four and one with a healthy Joe Burrow. And I think that's that's right. part of that's why I think this is a really difficult season to digest and, yes. and figure out and find lessons and takeaways from for that reason. And that there's just so much going on and so much nuance to all of it. You don't know what to take as genuine and what to take as just oh you know, fly by night coincidental. It's it's a really where some years I feel like it's clear, like this, this, yes. this, we learned this, we know this, this is their whole coming off this year. I don't know what to think about half this stuff. Yeah. It's not black and white. I mean, you know, in, in our business, we, we, was it a failure or a success? Well, yeah, it wasn't an unmitigated success. It, I also have a hard time saying it was just a, an unmitigated failure. I just I I don't believe either are true that there's there were some successes within the season. They know who their backup quarterback is like they, they've they got a legitimate dude there, man. Mm-hmm. Just ask the Kansas City Chiefs who told him as much after the game. Um, But relative to what the preseason expectations were and what the expectations were, you know, when they drafted Joe, like by now, this team will be firmly established as one of the elite in the league. Well, they probably would be if Joe was healthy, but it, it's also remarkable that the more things change, the more things stay the same. I mean, why did the season end effectively on Sunday? Well, because the offensive line at the end of the game had no chance against Kansas city with the game on the line. God, I've seen that before. So what (laughs) is that going to look like next season? We're going to do eight more months of, is this going to be a normal training camp for Joe Burrow? Like, Oh God, I just, I'm tired of that topic. Right. There are just so many of the same themes, but, for all of the frustration and for all of the uncertainty and for as many questions as they have to confront this offseason is and as interesting as they are. If I said to anybody who follows this team, either objectively or with a rooting interest, I give you 17 healthy Joe Burrow games next year. Are they playing in the playoffs next season? Everyone's going to say yes. Yep. And would you give them more than a puncher's chance of advancing once they got there, assuming he's healthy? Everybody would say yes. Yes. And unfortunately, 
as nuanced as all this is, this one sort of unnuanced thing hovers over everything. Yeah. Your MVP caliber quarterback was rarely healthy and available. So that's the weird dynamic to me. There is a lot of nuance, but not having a healthy Joe Burrow for an entire season, not a whole lot of nuance to that. Yep. And, and so we, you know, we have to kind of blend both, which yeah. is challenging and, and, but also kind of fun. Which should take us back to number one takeaway here. Continue to invest in protecting Joe Burrow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Don't get away from that. Don't say, oh, but all these other needs, all these other things. Right. Don't lose focus on protect. And they 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 have. I mean, has mm -hmm. it worked out? Sure. Right. Not every situation has worked out perfectly, but this was the best. It was the best line he's had. They spent the most money they've ever spent on it. That they can't lose sight of that just because a lot of other issues are popping up because inevitably that should be the number one takeaway. And, and you know what's what's so fascinating? And correct me if I'm wrong, they've played 16 games. I think they've had the same yeah, starting. The only five. team that can say that. Yeah. The only team in the league, right? That yeah. has had no major injuries on the offensive line. Like yeah. when's the next they time? They still lost their quarterback. Happen? Yeah. <laughs> right. They still lost their quarterback. Never and... lost anybody. Fourth highest paid offensive line in football. Quarterback still got hurt. Right. If I would have said to anybody <laughs> back in August, this team's going to play 16 games. They're going to, by the way, they were remarkably healthy for 15 last year. It's insane. And then so, but I think that's, that unit is interesting because uh, you have some guys. All right. Does, do some of these guys start to get categorized as older offensive linemen? What do they do with Jonah Williams? Do they have enough depth on the O line? What happens if next year they're one of these lines that just, all hell breaks loose. You and I have talked about this a bunch too, where year to year, healthy units the next year become not so healthy units. Yeah. But it is remarkable, really the last two years, but specifically this one, we'll see what happens on, on Sunday with the season finale. They got through the entire year with no major injuries on the offensive line. Yeah. And the season still never really took off and they still couldn't keep Joe upright. <laughs> I I have so many, I have so many questions and topics to continue <laughs> with, which which it, which makes it great because guess what? Yeah, we'll talk tomorrow at uh, at Moreland Logger House. We'll talk. We'll talk there, and, and we can go down a bunch of other different roads, or we can go deeper down these same wormholes that are just ridiculous. Uh, well, it's it's always interesting from my standpoint when the season ends. You're like, all right, so when are we going to start talking about the draft? And then okay, yeah. free, like it's the NFL. There's always a treasure trove. I, I can't think of a year where the off season has had as many different things yeah. that we could discuss where the discussions could conceivably go in a number of different ways. I'm excited for that. I wish frankly, the off season was starting uh, later this year, but it, it is, they're a really interesting team and their current dynamic is, is fascinating. Yep. And I can't wait to, uh to start talking about it. Yep. And we will. All right. Looking forward to it, Mo. Appreciate you your got time. It. Okay. Thank you. See you. See you. Mo Eger, ESPN 1530. Great conversation, as always, as we go headfirst into uh into the offseason. Dave, they're fascinating. This team is this team. You can say what you want to, having covered a lot of teams that felt the same, a lot of teams that felt like we were repeating the same conversation over and over again. This franchise is not that right now <laughs> no. they are unique no but i do want to back up a little bit and say the mo's plug and play rant hit a little close to home yeah <laughs> as as the self-proclaimed irv smith jr of this show at the start of the the season <laughs> i feel like that prophecy's come true and i've i've irv smithed you all season so oh, I, I apologize I, for that 
See, I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. I don't you don't don't Irv Smith yourself. I don't know. You are stepdad. You're the stepdad Dave. <laughs> I'm plug and play. You plug and play. You have plugged and play. Don't 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 give yourself a disservice like that. <laughs> uh I do I do want to get through before we leave here. Um, because we look, we we have plenty more, lots of time to get into everything else. We'll talk about the Browns game a little bit later this week. Uh, I plan on catching up with Zach Jackson, although I say that not knowing that I will. Uh, I just assume so because I always we always do when the <laughs> Bengals and Browns get together. Uh it's so plenty, plenty to talk about there, but I've got to get into this week's growler bet which went to a place that, to be honest, I just never thought we'd arrive at. Mm-hmm. Um, it on, its, on the surface, it was a growler bet to guess total passing yards for Patrick Mahomes. Um, and the number ended up being 245 for uh, those that weren't paying attention. However, uh, I'll start here. I don't know what it was. Three people guessed 243. Hmm. I don't know why that number stuck out. It's not like it was 69 or something. Now we know who you guys are. Nice. By the way, a lot of people still guessing 69, no matter what the question is. And I appreciate you on that. Um, <laughs> so to Andy Kalina, Corey Ryan, and Randall Moore, so close, but you get nothing. Hmm. Uh, tough break there. Uh, but great guess. You're right in the area of 245. However, that's not the story of this week. I, I documented last week uh, really someone who's been, frankly, an innovator and an institution with the growler bet, and that's Ray White, um, trying to take it to the next level and get James Rapine to do a cameo and it failing because <laughs> James didn't know he really even had cameo. Uh, James, of course, caught wind of this story and things went further. And a video was made, but it wasn't the only one. Another listener who is an innovator, an institution, Brian Ramstetter had another member of the Cincinnati media voice submission. And I'm just like, is this what it's become? Is This is going to become just finding people in the media to send in your growler bits. I mean, I hope. I mean, in my yeah. dreams, this is what it would become. But I never thought it would end there. I'm going to start with Ray White bringing in uh, James Rapine, offering his submission. Oh, hi, Paul. I didn't see you there. James here, which you already know by now. My man Ray White, well, he has a growler bet to place. And before he does that, he just wants to remind you that his alma mater, The Miami Redhawks are the MAC champions, and OU hasn't won a MAC title since 1968, the year the Bengals were founded. You weren't even born yet, and you're pretty old. So I wanted to remind you that, and of course, his growler bet, it's pretty simple. Patrick Mahomes, he will take Patrick for 268 passing yards today in Kansas City against the Bengals. Happy New Year, and again, OU... Oh, no. Love you, Paul. Incredible. So well done by James, which included a the video of him doing a slow turnaround, which didn't play on the podcast uh, at the very beginning. Uh, everything about it. Fantastic. Loved it. Uh, now there's this from 
Brian Ramstetter via Fox 19's and friend of the program, Jeremy Rao. It's the D high. It's the problem, not Kelsey. At Growler time, everybody agrees. I'll stare directly at Jamar, but never ran a rumo. It will be exhausting when the game is always called by Romo. I mean, Dave. What is happening? <laughs> That's amazing. Jeremy Rao in the house singing Taylor Swift songs. With the Romo line just killed me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got a credit. I got a credit Brian and Ray and Jeremy and James for playing along. I mean, this is just I, I never I never thought we would end here, but shout out to them for taking it to the next level. And a pretty catchy little play on words there, you know, taking a shot yeah. at the defense and pointing out it's not about Kelsey, it's about Lou Anarumo's defense, and then <laughs> dropping a Romo hate at the end. I mean, just a lot of, again, like this Bengals season, a lot of nuance, mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that's interesting, and uh, taking the conversation to the next level. Shout out to y'all. That's that's incredible. And apologies to potentially every other member of the Bengals media who might be having to do growler bets every week. Hey, these people. <laughs> Pay these people if you're if you're gonna have them do. I, I think they they deserve it. One dollar, one dollar for every time. I want it to go beyond the Bengals media. I want to see like Cordis Fuller doing one of these. Just everyone in the Cincinnati media having to do a cameo growler bet. Hello, this is John London submitting this week's growler bet live from Madisonville. We always used to say in the Bengals locker room that anytime John London shows up, something bad has happened. Because mm. that that means that there's news. My my hang up with John <laughs> London is God help me if he's watching this and is offended by this. Whenever he says restaurant when he's reporting a story, he says restaurant, restaurant. <laughs> I don't know why, but it 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 just sticks with me when he's talking about restaurants. So whenever he comes on, I'm hoping it has something to do with a restaurant. John London with I don't know how many Emmys, uh, probably <laughs> uninterested in your analysis. Dave. No, I think he's. <laughs> <laughs> Tuned in right now, and there's like one tear rolling down his cheek. Yeah, just because he's so sad uh, that I'm making fun of the way he says restaurant. Shout, shout out to the to those legendary Cincinnati newsmen for they become the perfect <laughs> example because of their legendary status. Uh, yes. That said, just uh, unbelievable. Uh, I do want to still shout out those that did it. Should we call these traditional funny submissions now? Like, yeah, just with the subject header. Uh, I we call I appreciate- them mid. The kids call them uh, mid. Mid. But they're not mid. They're strong. They're, they're strong. Mid. Uh, and I was told this weekend that the youths don't care about Riz anymore because it's oh. it, it's reached to the point of like it's like yeah, what Facebook was cool until like your parents were on mm-hmm. it, and the same thing with Twitter, and then like all it goes down the line is like once you know once Ryan Seacrest uses Riz, mm. it's sort of over. So that doesn't apply here either. And it got in the it got in the dictionary. I think once it gets in the once Merriam Webster shows up, it's definitely over. <laughs> um, so let's uh, uh, a few more great submissions. Shout out to Beth Harcourt, uh, who dropped a growler toast to D. Can't believe Katura changed her vote. I will always reference Survivor Insider Talk. <laughs> he said, "Remember, don't trust any lawyers." So true, Katura. What are you doing? But shout out to any Survivor Talk. So I love Beth for for that. Um, shout out to great friend of the program, Carrie Hobson, Butch Hobson's daughter, who also sent a picture of her beautiful son, Freddie, along. 
Uh, always love Carrie. She had 242 as a guest. So, Carrie, I give you a, a so close, but not quite there. But always love hearing from Carrie. Um, Dale Drummond, though, had my submission of the week in traditional media. And that was based on everything we've gone through with the Growler bet this year and the, the, uh, the, the Dave Allen compromise and the 69 situation. Smokey, this isn't Nam. This is the Growler. There are rules. Ties in all the issues of the year. Lebowski. <laughs> I mean, you just you hit a home run with that one, Dale. I appreciate you. Uh, that said, no winners. No. I want I want to give a quick shout out to R. Gutter, who tagged us both with 282 passengers. He was way off. But his hashtags were just out of control. He All went, right. hashtag growler bet, hashtag not a creative growler line, hashtag how do you subject line on tweets, hashtag no subject, <laughs> hashtag maybe that's why Paul never reads my tweets, hashtag hi Dave, hashtag Dave doesn't read them either. We read it, R. Gutter. <laughs> we read it. And I, you know, maybe work a little harder on the subject line and less on the hashtags, but that's a lot of great hashtags there. Yes. Uh, I, I, I love every bit of it. Also shout out to Mark Gaskins for, a, a so close on two forty-seven. We want to make sure we, we get them in there on the, our Twitter submissions. The Twitter submissions are people too. Okay. Yeah. They are. Um, but again, email is always the best way. Don't live on Twitter, which is really yeah. a life lesson. And now the best way is to get a local media member yeah. <laughs> to sing or come up with something to say about no question no question uh all right we'll wrap it up here with arby's um i I had a fun story about a a a listener who came up and said hello in the airport which i really appreciated um instantly wanted to let me know that i need to challenge zach taylor on these afc north losses and get in his grill a little bit about that which hey i appreciate it honesty no question that's part of the conversation uh, he later, uh, when I was with Sam Green, Bengals photographer Sam Green, as we were on the same flight and talking, and of course we're great friends, and and Sam is waiting on his bags, and I guess he thought that Sam was Ben Baby, uh, and when I pointed <laughs> out the something about the Disney money, I'm making him wait for the, uh, he's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not Ben Baby, <laughs> which I love the idea that Sam and Ben could. Like maybe maybe they should be some kind of they should be related or easily mistaken for each. I love I love the concept because they're two very very different personalities and and uh, both both unique in their own right. Uh, but I, I love the I love the concept of the two of them next to each other. Quiet photographer behind the camera and then ESPN. You know, absolutely. You know, Ben Baby. Uh, he's got he's got thoughts. He's got takes. He's out there on Twitter and and threads. And Sam's just like, can I stay quietly behind the camera? Please not say anything. <laughs> if anyone, though, is going to take it well that they're mistaken for somebody else, the ultra polite, friendly Sam Green is no the question. guy. He's just going to take it. He's going to be polite about it, not offended, move on yes. with his life. No question. No one was offended by it. I just, I no. find it funny because I mean, they're, they're very different personalities. Yeah. Uh, my, my one, my Arby's thought, though, Dave, and, and I don't know if you agree with this. I just I love the Rose Bowl. I mm. love it. It's it's the greatest venue in football. It yeah. is the Rose Bowl at 5 p.m. Eastern, whatever, like is just when the, the first half, the sun's setting down, 
it's always perfect. Like the weather's always perfect. The grass yeah. is always perfect. Everything about it, it has history. It has awesomeness. It has scenery. It, it It's just the greatest setting. And can we just go back? Can we put a Super Bowl back there? Instead of oh. going to stupid SoFi. Yeah. Like, and I agree. SoFi is like a billion dollar Taj Mahal. It's everything that's wrong with sports and yeah. football these days that we put a Super Bowl in SoFi and take it away instead of the Rose Bowl because yeah. that is the greatest venue in football. And instead it's going to go inside of the like a million screens, luxury Taj Mahal dome. Uh, yeah. And it's like, no, this is it. And, and then to get an unbelievable game on top yeah. of it just makes it just a reminder. I'm saying this to every, you know, I guess the bird up to every corporate greed bowl sponsor Every TV, you know, executive trying to make the most money. I want the national championship game at the Rose Bowl in that time slot every single year. That's what I want. Who's who's I'm, against this outside of I, greedy corporate big wigs? I back this. I think this is great, but it ain't gonna happen. No, no question, no. it's not gonna happen. The no, same way the Super Bowl is going back to SoFi. Yeah. In fact, you're probably even suggesting this. An NFL owner is probably going to throw a drink on you next time they see you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know you're talking national championship, but still, somebody's going to lose money. You're getting a drink thrown at you. I'm getting a drink thrown up. That's just what happens. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. It's a phenomenal venue. You're always going to get good weather there. You're Ugh. always going to, it's just, it's, it's the history. It's the, yeah. It's got the atmosphere for college football and, Everything else, everything's kind of feeling a little cookie cutter with the big fancy ones. You know, I like agree, they're yeah. all big and fancy, but they all kind of feel the same. This happens every 30, 40 years, right? We had the, you had, you had the riverfront stadiums, the yeah, three rivers, the, the veterans, yeah. the donuts that moved to the Camden Yards era of baseball, mm -hmm. right? And then you had football only had its, has had its run there. And you've seen a bunch of those. And now you've seen the, multi-billion dollar Taj Mahals are mm -hmm. are the latest thing and cool congratulations but I just again I I yearn Dave for the atmospheres of the Rose Bowls of the outdoor of of all so what that feels more of a throwback have have your bells and whistles underneath have your bells and whistles in the tunnels, in the locker rooms, in your scoreboard background stuff, like all, all your suites, like that's fine. But give me the field, the setting to still feel old school. You know who does a good job of that? I think in a weird way is San Francisco Stadium, hmm. where even though they have the wall of suites on one side, you know, on yeah. the other side, everything else about it, does, it, it still feels like your outdoor football stadium type of place if you're if, yeah. if that makes any sense yeah well and i think to your point on the national championship being at the rose bowl we've let so many things with college football that are beloved just fall apart here in the last several years that would be a nice kind of let's keep at least one thing still college football tradition which is why you know it would unequivocally never happen. <laughs> no, College football no. will not let you hold on to any one thing you ever liked no. about it. <laughs> How dare you even suggest it? 
So yeah, no, I uh, think that'd be cool. And, and it was, they got a great game out of it. And then both games were great last night. But, hey, uh, and they got an yeah. all big 10 championship game between Washington and Michigan. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> How Still about unbelievable. That? Uh, all right. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, we'll be back later this week. Uh, assuming with Zach Jackson and uh, plenty more to talk about. And then of course, plenty more to guess what, do what Dave, we have a lot more off season to do what unpack unpack as we get going as the, the season wraps to so keep an eye out for all of that. Uh, happy new year to everybody. And uh, we'll talk next time. Have a good one.